0: morning, looking at this sensational God, and, and we look at these different passages of where our senses are emphasized, and today we, talk, we take a look at this passage that uh, deals with listening. And one of the things that I've grown to learn about my wife over the course of being married to her for a uh, little over 28 years is that it's really easy for me to get distracted, to get distracted by other things that are going on around me. And Dawn and I have have reached a point in our marriage where uh, if she's talking to me and there's something on TV, namely sports, um, it is hard for me to focus in. And she knows this, and it really bothers her an awful lot. And so me, being the loving husband that I am, I've learned to take the remote and find the mute button, and hit the mute button so I can focus in on my wife. Now let me just say this. That was strongly encouraged my wife, by my wife to start doing that. But my point is this. There's all types of different noise going on all around us. There's noise in so many different ways. We live in a world that is a cacophony of, of so much going on right now. And what ends up happening, as I was thinking about the message this morning, is is so often... We point at God and we give Him the mute button. We pretty much say, we don't want to hear what you have to say to us in the midst of what's going on in our lives. And instead of us being muted, we speak more loudly, we come up with more excuses, and we end up going off on our own ways. This morning we take a look at this passage and I invite you to go to Isaiah chapter 30 where and I'll set the stage here for just a moment, but but again, God's people are in trouble. It isn't a big shock. But as you take a look at your life, oftentimes the trouble that we get in is because we're not paying attention to God's voice. We're not paying attention to the way He's leading us. And God's Word is so good in so many different ways, and, and God's Word does not hesitate from getting real. It never does. God's word was not created in some vacuum. God's word was created among a people who are yearning to experience God, yearning to follow God. And in that, it means the world is crazy. And in the midst of that, God wants to speak to us. In Isaiah chapter 30, we pick it up in verse 19. Listen to these words. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. Father, we pray as we come now into this time of looking at your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us hear very clearly your voice. So we ask that you would open our ears that we could hear. We could hear that voice piercing through the chaos in our lives. And that you would open our eyes that we could see you in action in such a way that you help us go the way that we need to go. That your Holy Spirit would open our minds so that we can understand what it means to hear your voice and and what it means to follow after you. And that you would open our hearts so that we would be transformed to be a people that is in line with you. And Lord, we pray that no one would hear anything I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear. You desire them to hear. And that you, Lord Jesus, would be the one who receives all glory. Do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we need to take a look. We will take a look at this passage in just a few moments, but I want to do what I call a few proverbial lessons, and we're going to take a look at the book of Proverbs here in just a moment. And one of the things as you look at Scripture, one of the things pretty much almost from Genesis 1, actually I would say from Genesis 1 on, there is this desire for God to be interacting with humanity. No, He doesn't need us, but yet He enjoys walking with us. He enjoys walking with humanity through life. We read about humanity walking with Him in the garden. And walking with the Lord is always a dialogue. It's always a dialogue, but unfortunately, humanity has successfully made it more like a monologue, us talking to him rather than listening to him. Listening is really important. Listening, yes, it's one of the five senses, and, 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 and a person once told me, they said, he said, John, you have two ears and one mouth. It doesn't mean that you get to use your mouth twice as much as you use your ears. In essence, you need to listen more often. And the book of Proverbs touches on these different things, and, and we're going to look at these different Proverbs rather quickly. I'll make a couple comments here and there. But, but what I want you to see is how important, how important listening is in God's Word. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the writer of Proverbs says this. He says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I remember when I was in high school, my parents were some of the most moronic people I'd ever met in my life because I knew what was right. I knew far more than they did about things. Needless to say, now that I've been a parent, I realized my parents weren't morons at all. They were some of the wisest people I'd ever met in my life. But so often, we rush in and we think we're right, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs thirteen ten says this where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Again we see this theme of the importance of taking advice. Proverbs fifteen, verse thirty one says this whoever whoever heeds life giving correction will be at home among the wise. Consider that. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Perhaps you're here this morning thinking you're not all that wise. If you heed correction, if you heed life-giving correction, you'll be at home among the wise. It's one of the wisest things you can do. Proverbs 18 verse 13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. You see that happen every now and then on the game show Jeopardy person buzzes in before they realize where this is going. And they end up losing money and all these types of things. They need to wait. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says this, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 23 verse 12 says this, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. What are you learning? What are you, what are you listening to in your life? Are you getting more knowledge? Are you gaining more wisdom? And then this one is for anybody who's not a morning person. Proverbs 27, verse 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Amen. Okay, there we go. I knew there were some non-morning people here. So, loudly blessing somebody in the morning, seen as a curse. And then, Proverbs 29, verse 20, Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. You see this theme here. And it's not only Proverbs that emphasizes the importance of listening. It's all throughout God's Word. It's there, it's there, and we need to listen. Listening always matters. But there's a question that goes with it. And it's this question. To whom or what are you listening? So many of us are listening to voices from our past that says, you're never going to be forgiven for that. Some of us are listening to the voices of the world that says, this really is the way you need to go. You need to be more about material things and and getting and gaining more and more and more. We have all these different voices around us, and and so we're hearing them, we're listening to them, but what's important is, is it in line with God? God, in essence, in Isaiah chapter 30, seems to be saying to the people, lend me your ear. Isaiah 30, verse 19. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. God's people, as I told you earlier, God's people are in trouble. trouble. They are listening to offers for help. If we're in Isaiah chapter 30, I encourage you to go back to verse 1 and listen to this. Woe to the obstinate children, declares Yahweh, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, bringing sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. Egypt is offering to help God's people. Egypt is is, is offering them Something that they cannot possibly fulfill. The Assyrians are on the move. They're moving in. Israel and Judah know that their time is coming to an end if things don't get turned around. They're looking for an alliance. They're asking for help, but they're not asking God for help. So often in our lives, we have things going on around us that are crashing in on us, and we're looking wherever we can to get some type of help, but we're not taking the time to ask God for help. The great thing is this, is that God wants to help. Go a few more verses, go down to verse 15 in Isaiah 30 and look at what happens here. This is what Sovereign Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. And notice the next line. In quietness and trust is your strength but you would have none of it. God sees what's going on. God sees the the trouble that God's people are experiencing. And God is constantly saying, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. I'm going to walk with you. Just turn to me. And he says, In quietness and trust is your strength. All throughout Scripture, God says, Trust in me. I'm going to take care of you. Take the time to trust in Me. Take the time to be quiet and hear from Me. But so often, we're like that latter part of verse 15 where it says, but you would have none of it. God is constantly calling out to us. And yet, so often, we would have none of it. We would have none of it. And lest we forget, here's the thing, lest we forget, God enjoys helping He's not burdened by helping us. He doesn't say, oh, it's you again. Really? We've already been over this. Why do you keep bothering me? That's not the way God operates. All throughout Scripture, God is saying, turn to me. Listen to to these words. In quietness and trust is your strength. He's there. He's offering to help us. And so the people aren't responding to that. And he says to them, You're going to weep no more once you cry out to me, I will respond, I will answer. And then we pick it up in verse in verse twenty. It says this although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, we want to sit there and we want to blame God for the consequences of our lives, but, but there's a cost to not listening to God. It's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be easy when we blow God off, when we say we're not going to listen to you, we're only going to do our we're only going to do our things. Adversity happens, affliction happens, things get difficult for us. How is your life? How has your life been affected by you not listening to God? How has your life not been affect how has your life been affected by you not listening and taking quietness and trust and placing it in his hands and placing it in his laps and and experiencing his grace. I would venture to say, if you're like me, it's gotten pretty ugly at times. It's gotten more difficult than it ought to have been. And hear me on this. It's not that when when we turn to God and we we cry out to him that all of a sudden everything's going to be Sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and just pretty pink stuff. But he's there in the midst of it. We're told in Philippians that he can give us the peace that transcends all understanding. Not some understanding, but all understanding. And then he says this in verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. That's the type of God we have. That's the type of God we have when we come to these places in our lives, when we're wondering if we should go to the left or if we should go to the right. We actually take the time and place our trust in Him and say, Lord, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? God says, walk this way. Move in this direction. And perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard me say this countless times about the importance of listening to God. And you want to listen to God, but yet you don't know how to do it. Well, I'm going to give you some practical steps on how to listen to God. And I think it's, pretty, I think it's a pretty safe safe process to go through. And the first is this, and this is an abundantly obvious one. How do we listen to God? Well, first thing is, you've got to ask the question you just got to ask the question. you got to say, God, what do you want me to do here? And by the way, when I'm talking about decisions being made, I'm not talking about, do I wear this shirt today or that shirt today? Please, just wear a shirt for crying out loud. (laughs) But I'm talking about those times in our lives when we're trying to figure out, God, what would you have me do here? I'm in a little bit of a bind with a person at work. I'm in a little bit of a bind with a person in my family. I don't know what's going to happen about us financially. When you're at these places where big decisions need to be made, that's what I'm talking about, and God wants to get involved in that, not just in the big decisions, but in the smaller decisions as well. But ask the question. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know what to do here. And God says, I'm here. Let's talk. Then the next thing is this. Look to God's Word. Over the course of my life, uh, over the course of knowing Jesus since I was a sophomore in high school, what I have encountered is this, is that God's Word, God's Word is the primary mechanism He uses to speak to us. I'm amazed at what happens when I spend time in God's Word. I'm going through something and all of a sudden I'm reading God's Word and it's like, whoa, how did that happen? I can't explain it. But it's happened so often that I say, I think listening to God's Word is a pretty important thing to do. So spend time in God's Word. Then the next one is this. Get counsel from wise, dependable people. Notice what I said there. I didn't simply say get counsel, but I clarified it by saying from wise, dependable people. There are people in our lives that are unwise, that are undependable. There just are. In every single one of our and every single one of our peop- in every single one of our lives, there are people that really aren't that wise. As you look through scripture, and as we just took a look at, at Proverbs here, he's talking about finding counsel among the wise. So get advice from them. Is there someone in your life right now that you would consider wise and dependable? Talk with them. Listen to them. And then, I want to go back to Isaiah 30, verse 21. When you hear the response, this is the way, walk in it, here's the deal. Is it in direction, is the direction that you're getting this advice, is it in line with what we know to be true of God? God never goes against what God says in Scripture. What we know to be true of God is going to be true in the answer that we receive. Lord, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in a pickle here financially. Would you guide me as I think about embezzling this money? God's not going to say, go for it. That's not the way he operates. God is consistent, and so we need, and when, we th- when we're thinking through the answer, we don't sit there and say that we need to go in an opposite direction of what we know to be true of him. But then the other thing is this is as we see the direction, is it in line with what we know to be true of God? Here's the next thing. Make the move. Don't just sit there. Move. So often we pray and we pray and we say, God, help me here, speak to me here. And God's speaking, and we know He's speaking, and we know He's leading, and we sit there and sit there and sit there. There are opportunities before us all the time to represent Jesus Christ. And he's asking us to take a step. And as we take the step, what happens? We find this to be true, that he's there. Some of you have been praying about things for a long time. And God has been answering and answering and answering. And perhaps right now you need to say, Lord, give me the courage to follow. And in the process of following, we know this to be true. God will not abandon you. He just won't. He just won't. And that's what happens here in Isaiah chapter 30. He's saying, please turn to me. Please trust in me. Please, place, please know this, that you, if you quiet your hearts and place your trust in me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm all you need. But here's what happened. Israel said, I'm not going to take that offer. I'm going to go with Egypt. Judah said, we're taking the offer. Assyria comes in, conquers Israel, but Judah turns to God, and you want to know what happens? Judah gets delivered. Right now is an opportunity for you to listen in. What is it that God wants to do in your life? And I invite you to turn a few pages to the left and go to 1 Kings chapter 19, where we see this played out a little bit more. And in 1 Kings 19, again, the situation is not good for a guy by the name of Elijah. He has taken on the prophets of Baal. He's wiped out the prophets of Baal. And we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah stands up for God. He wipes out the prophets of Baal. He sees God do amazing things. And now Elijah is on the run because of this woman by the name of Jezebel. We read this and say, what is going on? How does that happen? You just saw God do great things, and now you're on the run from this woman? Let me just say this. Jezebel was not a nice person. That's all there is to it. You just need to know that. So Elijah was afraid, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the the wilderness. Anytime you're reading God's word and it says a day's journey, it's about 20 miles or so. It goes a day's journey, about 20 miles. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Really? You just saw God answer your prayer. And now you're 24 hours in and you're saying, I really want to die. That happens in our lives, doesn't it? God does all these great things and we're so excited. And then something, an obstacle comes our way and we begin to say, it's not going to work. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a bush and fell asleep all at once. An angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Verse 6, he looked around and there there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. Elijah's on the run. He's responding to God's voice. And he keeps running, and he keeps running. And then we come to the powerful part of this encounter. Middle of verse 9. And the word of Yahweh came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for Yahweh God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. It is easy to feel overwhelmed in this world. It is easy to feel as if God is not there. It is easy for us to be on the run, just like Elijah. It's easy. We all get it. We all feel overwhelmed. And then in the process of feeling overwhelmed, it's tempting to think that we are on our own. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Lord, no one understands me. Nobody understands my life. I'm the only one that's going through this. Well, it's because you're no longer listening. Verse 11, Yahweh said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of Yahweh, for Yahweh is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind. And the and the wind... After the wind, there was an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a great fire, but Yahweh was not in the fire. So all these humongous things. And this is the thing about hearing God. So often we want these big things. We want things written in the sky. We want a major thing to happen that will awaken us. And we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. But yet remember back to Isaiah 30. In quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and trust is your strength. Is your strength. So all of this is happening. An earthquake happens, a fire happens, this huge wind happens while Elijah is standing at the mouth of this cave. And after the fire came, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Is it possible that right now in your life, that small, still voice is speaking to you, saying, What are you doing here? I've been faithful. I'm the good, good Father who's not going to let you down. My foundation is firm. I will not fail you. But yet, we're not listening. Verse 14, he replied, I've been very zealous for God, Yahweh God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put the prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Okay, Elijah, we've, we've got it. <laughs> you already told me that. You haven't answered my question. What are you doing here? Verse 15, Yahweh said to him, Go back the way you came. Wait a second. I'm on the run from Jezebel. I know. Go back. Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you go there, Anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Dimchi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Mahala, to succeed you as a prophet. And then look at verse 18. He tells him to do all these other things. And then verse 18. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. You're not alone. I've got you. So often in our lives, we don't listen because the chaos is so loud. And God speaks in to that chaos. And He says, what are you doing here? In quietness and trust is your strength. number of years later, hundreds of years later, There was a man by the name of Jesus. Chaos was erupting all around him. Humanity's sin needed to be paid for. Humanity's sin had brought chaos upon this world in such a way that nobody thought there was a way out. And into that chaos, Jesus came. And I want to give you some homework this week, and I want you to do something if you'd like to. I want you to focus in on the latter chapters of each gospel, namely Matthew 26 and 27, Mark 15, Luke 22 and 23, and John 18 and 19. Here's why chaos is erupting all around Jesus. And you're going to see something in those latter chapters. Jesus says very little. At the very moment when he could be crying out and saying, God, I need your help, I need your help, and he could put anything he wanted in play, and he could say, I can call down a legion of angels, and he says it, but he could cry out, he could do all these different things, he could lash out at people, yet Jesus Christ, I believe, is listening. He comes to that place in the garden where he falls to his knees and he says, Lord, if there's another way, please. But not my will, but your will be done. And in that garden, as he's praying, he knows that only a matter of a few hundred feet up a hill He could go up that hill. He could go up to the top of the Mount of Olives and run into the desert and be forever gone and not go through the crucifixion. He came to this place where he's asking, do I go left or do I go right? And God says, walk this way. And he walked to the cross. As chaos chaos reigned, Jesus Christ listened. And he walked that way and he went to that cross so that when you and I are in the midst of the chaos, he can speak to us in the midst of that saying, I'm right here with you. I won't let you down. How chaotic right now is your life? How chaotic is your life? Is it, is it, are you in such a, a, a situation where you don't know if you can hear Him? My prayer for all of us this morning is this, is that we would quiet ourselves. And in the midst of that, just like Elijah experienced in that cave, just like, uh, just like, the, Jude, just like the people from Judah experienced, they said, we're going to listen, we're going to place our trust in you. And just as Jesus Christ experiences, He's crying out on the cross, and He says, It is finished. He knows this, that He's there for you in the midst of the chaos. He's there for you. My prayer is as we go to this time of praying, that each one of us would hear that small, still voice that says, I'm with you. Father, we pray now in the noise of our life, in the noise of our lives, in the chaos of everything around us. We're distracted. We're confused. We're anxious. We're scared. And I pray right now in this silence that you would remind us that in quietness and strength and trust is your strength. O oh Lord, minister to us in the stillness Father, we thank You that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the noise, You still speak. Lord, may we have the courage to hit the mute button so that we can hear You in the midst of our lives. Father, in this room, I know that there are people that are going through things in life that are not easy, and I would ask that Your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of them and that they would know that You're there. And for those in this room who have been running away from You, only to find that it's gotten more difficult rather than easier, We would pray that You would help us know You and place our trust in You. Lord, we need You. And we thank You for being a God who enjoys interacting with us. Thank You for being a God who says, walk in this way. Lord, help us hear from you as we go into the rest of this week here in a few moments and that we would place our trust all the more in you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, for Lord Jesus, for going into the chaos and you rescuing us because you placed all your hope in the one true God. Because you are God. May we never forget that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come to this time now, and Adam mentioned this earlier, that...